Today I want to share with you a message that came from a time of prayer that I was having with the Lord about two weeks ago. And actually I was praying about this situation and, and I was asking the Lord, you know, Lord, you know, what is going on and why are so many people dying and where did this virus come from? And I had all these questions and usually when things like this happen, we have all the why questions, right? You know, and a lot of times it's not why, you know, that's not the question that we need to ask, you know, but a lot of times the question that we need to be asking is for what? What does God want to do with this? And how is he going to glorify himself? So I was having that, that battle with God, you know, and asking him these questions. And, and he put something in my heart. It was like he, his hand was pressing on me. And, and, and this is what he told me. Listen, what's going on here is nothing new. Okay, what's going on here is nothing new. It's just a different manifestation of sin and a different manifestation of evil, but it's always been around. And he started to speak to me. He goes, actually, the story of this pandemic starts in a garden. And today, actually, the title of my message, all right, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The history, okay, the history or the tale of two gardens. The tale of two gardens, that's what he started to speak to me that day. You see, this sounds like a, like a funny theme today, you know, like what does a garden have to do with resurrection and Easter and, and the whole thing? But let me tell you, the first garden that I want to talk about today is the Garden of Eden. All right. In the Garden of Eden, if you have your Bible with me, you're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15 through 17. That's the first garden we're going to speak about today. And that's where this whole thing starts, actually. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And I am the, in the New Living Translation. All right. And it says this. The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely from every fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. You see, God puts man in this beautiful garden that he had created. He created this garden just for man. And the reason that he created that garden for men was not that God's intention was for men to be a gardener, all right? That's important for us to understand. God's intention for men was for men to expand what he saw in that garden to the whole earth, all right? That's what the Bible talks about, expanding the kingdom of God. Whatever was happening in that garden, that's what God wanted to extend to the whole earth. Now, something happened. God gave men instructions. And he told them, listen, you could eat freely from every tree, but there's a tree in here, which is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat from that tree. And what did man decide to do? He decided to go to the tree that he's not supposed to, right? Isn't that just like us, right? Doing what we don't need to be doing. And that's exactly what Adam did at that moment when the serpent came and had that whole conversation. A lot of us think, you know, in our times today, you might be watching and you're saying, oh, pastor, but that's like a nice fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. All right. It's a reality. All right. That's the way that the whole thing turned out. And when man listened to that serpent and ate from that fruit that he wasn't supposed to, guess what? That's when sickness came into this world. That's when pain came into this world. That's when misery 
came into this world, poverty, okay, sadness, fear, depression, and I have a list here, okay, anxiety, evil, okay, all these different things just came into this world aligned. And the list could just go on and on and on. At that moment, I could cap it up with this word, death entered this world. So you see, when we look at the numbers of everybody dying, all we see is a number. You see, but those are families. Those are precious loved ones to people. And it breaks my heart, you know, because at the end of the day, I just turn on the news and it says, so many thousand people died today around the world. All those people had families. They had children, they had grandparents, they had all these different, you know. And you know what's the saddest thing about this situation? That they cannot even be with them at the moment that they're passing away. So all they're getting is probably like a phone call like the day before, before they go on a critical state, you know. And the loved ones cannot even be there. Actually, what I was hearing a report is that once this is over, what they're going to get back is the ashes, of that person. They don't even get to get the body or a proper burial, nothing like that. You know, that's, that's, that's so difficult to deal with, but those are the wages of death according to the Bible because of man's disobedience. This whole thing started in a garden because man did not listen to God. Man was not able to obey God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Now that's so important. Sin and death entered the world, okay, through one person and to everyone that it came in contact with. If you're talking about a virus, Okay, this is a virus right here because everybody got contaminated. Tell me one person, okay, that steps into this world that does not die. Everybody that steps into this world dies because those are the wages of sin. Everybody dies. That disease spread 100% to everyone. You see, and it came through one person. And the Bible says that through that one person, all sinned. Everyone sinned. The Bible says that all humanity, you and I, and all of us up here tonight, were represented in Adam. You see, Adam represented us, and he messed up. You know, I've had this theory for a long time that when I die and I get to heaven, I'm going to take a big Gatorade bottle to heaven. And I've had people ask me, Pastor, why in the world are you going to do that? To give it to Adam, because Adam must be tired of running around because everybody that's chasing him, because they want to give him a beat down for what he did. All right? If somebody had a responsibility and dropped the ball, all right, it was this guy. All right? Because through him, we are all represented and we're all at fault. All right? We are all at fault. Now, in that garden, not only did the fall of man happen, but also something very important happened. And that very important thing that happens has to do with this day that we're celebrating today with Resurrection Sunday. What was that important thing that happened? That when God had that moment with man, he gave a promise of the redemption that was to come. You see, because before the story ended like that, God had a plan in mind. 
And in that plan, if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is the first messianic promise in all the Bible. All right? And listen to this amazing promise. God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. All right? He's speaking to Satan. He goes, I will put enmity between you and the woman. There will be a war between you and the woman. That's what that word means. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So you see, what that promise was speaking about is how Jesus was going to destroy the enemy. You see, because the enemy was going to do what? He was going to strike the heel of Jesus. What does that mean? That is a wound, but it's not a wound that causes death. Now, what happens if you crush the head of a serpent? That's a wound that causes death. So that was that promise, all right, that one day along the line, somebody was going to come that was going to take care and fix this whole issue and fix this whole problem. Now, the question that I have is, where did Jesus destroy the enemy once and for all? Where did that happen? Where did Jesus destroy the enemy once and for all? Did it happen at the cross? I don't think so. I don't think it happened at the cross because the Bible says that the cross or death without resurrection is useless. In other words, at the cross, Jesus did amazing things, but there needed to be a resurrection to validate what was happening at the cross. You see, two days ago, we celebrated Good Friday and we had an amazing service and you heard myself talk, my wife, Pastor Max, Pastor Espy, Pastor Milton, and we were speaking about the power of the cross and all the blessings that we get behind the cross. But if it, the story would have stayed at the cross and without Jesus resurrecting, the story would have been incomplete. Because you see, the wages of sin is death. What that would have meant is that death would have actually won this battle. But the story doesn't end there. You see, we're not only talking, okay, about this garden where man fell, but 1 Corinthians 15, 17, it says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. You see, why is that so important? Because this leads me to a second garden. This leads me to a second garden. And that second garden is not the Garden of Eden, but it's the garden of the empty tomb. You see, all humanity could be summarized in the story of these two gardens. In one garden, man fell, but in another garden, man was triumphant. You see, in that second garden, in John chapter 19, you guys could go with me there in your Bibles. John 19, verse 41 through 42. It says, The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. Where was the place of the crucifixion? Near what? Near a garden. You see, they were getting ready for the Passover, so they didn't have too much time to go all the way across to the other side of the city to bury Jesus. They had to find a place that was nearby. And it says that near where Calvary was, there was a garden in that place. And it says here that there was a tomb that had never been used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they lay Jesus there. 
They put Jesus in a tomb that belonged to a man called Joseph of Arimathea. He had gone to Pilate and he asked if he could have the body of Jesus. You see, and they gave him Jesus' body. He prepared it for burial. And he just took his own tomb and he put him in there. There was actually a prophecy that was being fulfilled through that. Now, here is an important, important, important moment. Because now Jesus is laid in that garden inside a tomb that nobody has ever been in before. We don't even know if there was other tombs that were there. Okay, all we know is that the body of Jesus Christ is placed inside that tomb. And here is this final scene, okay, where it's going to get so interesting and it's going to be so amazing. And I wish, okay, they would invent a time machine because if they would invent a time machine, that's the place that I would like to go to, all right? Just these days that I was at home, I wanted to show my kids one of these old-time movies that I grew up watching. So I had them watch Back to the Future. Have any of you guys seen Back to the Future? You know, Back to the Future is like an original classic, you know, from 1985 with Michael J. Fox and the DeLorean. When the DeLorean came out, I remember that was like a car that everybody's like, oh my God. When it came out in the movie, my son Dave was like, what is that trash car on TV? Like, what? Ain't no trash car. (laughs) But that movie, they go back in time, right? And he actually gets to see his parents before they even started dating. If I had a time machine, I would like to go to this moment, you know, between Saturday and Sunday and just hide behind a tree or something, man. And just check out, you know, what's going to happen, you know, when that stone starts to roll away. That must be an amazing thing. Why? Because, you see, if you're one of the disciples, their lives just went crazy, okay, in the last 48 hours. Their life has just changed completely. You see, and Jesus and and this whole story, you know, it's been a crazy weekend, all right? Talk about a crazy weekend, all right? It's not the one that you and I are living right now and that I'm preaching here through technology. This was a crazy weekend. And and I wrote some of this thing that there was betrayal, okay? There was denial. There was abandonment. There was was a, a, a judgment that was unfairly, okay, that took place that was unfair. This sounds like a movie, all right? Jesus is sentenced to death. He is scourged. He is crucified. And he succumbs to death. All these things happen, okay, in this weekend. And now all of a sudden, we come to this nice, quiet garden on a Sunday morning. And I just imagine, you know, if you've ever been out in the morning early before the sun rises, you hear like the birds singing and chirping and stuff like that. I imagine that scene. Like I'm telling you guys and I get chills just thinking about it. The little birds chirping and you see just like light, you know, twilight is just starting to to come up, you know. And, And all of a sudden, I imagine, you know, when we're reading the Bible, I get into the movie. You know, I I get into the whole scene. I just imagine this flash of lightning coming from heaven and just breaking through the sky. All right. And just this huge angel appearing. All right. And the Bible says that when the soldiers saw that angel show up, that they played dead. All right. Because they were scared of how big that guy was. All right. These are Roman soldiers. And there was a minimum of four of them in that tomb. All right. It had the governor's seal on it, meaning nobody could open it. These guys were big guys. And when they saw that angel, all right, they started like whimpering, you know, like, ah, 
you know, and like they, they hid. The, the stone starts to roll away. Oh, and by the way, I want to make sure that you guys that are there listening and you guys understand, the stone didn't roll away to let Jesus out. Because after that, Jesus is going through doors and windows and, you know, into rooms without nothing happening. The stone rolled away so that the world could go into that tomb and see that our Savior was not dead, but that he resurrected. That's why that stone was rolled away. And that stone rolls away. And our Lord arises from the dead never to die again. You see, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he died once and for all. One time and for all. Now, there was great confusion amongst the disciples when all this is taking place. Because there were some women that ran to the tomb in the morning and they were going to prepare the body and put all these spices and everything else like that because they couldn't do it on Friday because Passover had started you know, and when they get there, they see this whole scene. So they go back and they tell the disciples and, and it gets crazy. And Peter runs and John runs and they all go there and they run away and they are all saying, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? And we get to John 20, John 20, verse 11. And I'm going to read John 20, 11 through 17. I hope you guys are enjoying this message. because I'm having a great time with these guys up here. It says this, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked inside. You see, she was looking to see if maybe they missed something. You know, maybe he was hidden under something, you know. She stooped and looked inside and saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other one at the foot of the place where the body had been laid. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because we, they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. Pay attention to this. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? The same question that the angels asked. All right. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Now listen to what the Bible says here. She thought it was the gardener. Who did she think it was? The gardener. What did I say that we were talking about here? The tale of two gardens. This whole thing started in a garden, and it's going to finish in this garden. And she even got Jesus confused for the gardener that was supposed to be tending that plate, and she didn't know that she was talking to the resurrected Christ. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go to get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and she cried out, Rabbi, which means in Hebrew, teacher. And he said, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Pay attention to this because this is a promise for each of us. But you go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. You see, that's so beautiful. Because this is the first time that Jesus doesn't call his followers my disciples. He doesn't say, go and tell my disciples. 
He goes, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers to go where I'm telling them to go. You know why? Because now, okay, my father is their father. Now my God is their God. You see, there we could say that now the sacrifice was complete. It wasn't just the work of the cross. It was taking us to have a relationship with God. You see, the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's what was taking place at that moment. You see, we lost everything as human beings in the Garden of Eden. We lost it all. And we gained all these crazy things that happen in this world today. All the pain, all the suffering, all the hurt. That's what we gained in that Garden of Eden. We lost everything. But you know what? In this garden tomb, we gain life. We gain all of God's best for us. Now, the Garden of Eden, man chose his will over the will of God. In the garden tomb, God's will prevails over death, and the tomb and life reigns. The seed of the woman crushed the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman crushed the head of the serpent in a garden. It all started in a garden, and it all ended in a garden. You see, as we come to this Resurrection Sunday, it's April 12, 2020. And like I said last week, a lot of people look at this year, 2020, and they wish they could head or, you know, press a reset button. You know, it's like, let's start this whole thing over, man, because it's been crazy. But let me tell you something. There's three things, and I want you to write this down as we close. Three things that we cannot see with our own eyes that affect the lives of all humanity. Three things that we cannot see with our own eyes that affect the eyes. One of it is this virus that is going on right now. We cannot see it with our eyes. But boy, let me tell you something, that this has changed the life of everybody. Everybody's life has been changed. It will never be the same again, guys. Life will never be the same again after, after this whole thing. And two events that we did not see physically. Two events that we were not there physically, but changed all of humanity. Number one, the fall of man. The fall of man in that Garden of Eden. And the other one is the resurrection of Christ in that Garden tomb. You see, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. I want to close with this today. And right there where you're at, I just want to take a moment and speak directly to you. I want to use these cameras to speak to you right there, whether you're watching me in your living room, in your bedroom, whether you're surrounded by your family or you're by yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, it says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, now everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. 
Amen. Can we put our hands together for that? Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And the question that I have for you watching me right there is if you belong to Christ. You see, today I want to speak to you looking at me through that camera. Have you already invited Christ to be your Lord and to be your Savior? Have you celebrated Resurrection Sunday yet? Because you see, we are here and we are celebrating and we are joyful even in the midst of this pandemic because we know, okay, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what the Apostle Paul said. The worst that could happen to us in this life is to die. And if I die here, then my eyes will open to a greater glory that I've never witnessed in all my life. But you there, how's your heart today? How's your relationship with God? Have you celebrated Resurrection Sunday yet? I want to give you that opportunity right now. Can you take a moment right there and close your eyes where you're at? You see, this is a moment where I want you to search your soul for a second. This is a moment where I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at what's been happening these last few weeks around us here in this nation and around the world. And what does that speak to you? You see, I think that one of the things that it speaks to me is to make sure that I'm right with God. I think one of the things that it speaks to me is to make sure that, 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 that I'm aligned with Him. Because I don't know when my time is going to be up in this world. But all I know is that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, there's also a resurrection that is offered to me. That death doesn't have the last word. And I'm here to tell you that death does not have the last word for you either. Today, if you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, and we just read it in that word in Corinthians, it says that you receive a new life. Wouldn't you want to receive that new life with me today? All you need to do is make a prayer in which I'm going to lead you right now. Right there with your eyes closed and head bowed. I want you to pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for living a perfect life, for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. Today, on this Resurrection Sunday, I declare with my mouth that I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to thank you, Jesus, because today I believe with my whole heart that you did not stay in a tomb but that on that third day in that garden, you resurrected early in the morning, offering me eternal life. Today, Jesus, thank you for forgiving all my sins and giving me this new life. Allow me from this moment forward to live for your plans and your purposes for my life. Thank you for valuing me so much as to giving your life for me. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus right there where you're at. Let me tell you something. If you made this prayer today for the first time, the same way that we all made this prayer at one moment in our lives, at one moment in our lives, we came to Christ the same way that you are coming to Christ right now. And the Bible says, my dear brother or sister, because that's what you are, like I said a moment ago, that Jesus called his disciples my brothers. 
I want to tell you something that the Bible says that your sins have been forgiven. The Bible says that now you have a new life and you have a relationship with God. And that the day that you die here, you'll be more alive than ever because your eyes will open to that truth that Jesus paid for when he died and he resurrected. So I want to ask you to do something for me. I remember that at the beginning of this message, I spoke to you about an online connection card that we were going to have there. I would love for you to go to our webpage, numachurchmiami.org, and that you can fill out that connection card that is there. We want to know this decision that you are making today. Okay, there's a place in that connection card that it says, my decision today, and you're going to mark that part where it says that you're giving your life to Christ. There's that part in that card, and you're going to mark that. Also, okay, right there, whether you're on Facebook or you're on YouTube, in the comments, all right, you don't need to put something big. All you need to write, okay, is I believe, okay, or salvation, all right, anything like that that is small, just to let us know this great decision that you're making today for God. Amen. How many of us are happy for the people that are connecting today and are making this decision? Amen.